All right, here we go. Get your Bibles open tonight. Let's get into the Word. Uh, let's go quickly to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and start off at our key verse. Anybody getting anything out of this Battle of the Mind series? Amen. I think we'll have a couple of testimonies on Sunday uh, morning about just some things I've heard of some people seeing some real breakthrough and some fruit from this. Um, let me give you a couple more facts about the brain I found that were really interesting. How many have ever heard the saying, relax, this won't hurt a bit? Have you heard that? Well, there's no pain receptors in our brains. Zero. And so when they do surgery on the brain, if you've ever seen a picture, the person's awake because there's no pain while they're doing it. They open up their head and are in there messing with their brain and there's no pain. And so they can, and they're obviously another reason is to make sure that they're responding and talking and all that stuff. And so that's a very interesting thought. I thought to myself, maybe they could connect something to the brain when they do the other surgeries so you wouldn't feel it. Maybe that's a good invention for someone. Amen? Don, there's an invention. Some way to connect the brain, no pain, all that. I don't know. Here's an amazing fact. This, some of these things blow me away. 100,000 miles of blood vessels in our brain. Those that went to school know that for therapy. Or, that's a lot of brains. Uh, sorry, a lot of blood vessels. Okay? And in that, listen to this, 100 billion neurons comprise the brain. 100 billion. That's as many as in the entire galaxy, all inside of our little melon. That's a lot. I said the other day, 17% of our body's energy and 20% of our oxygen is used by our brain, but our brain's only 2% of the mass of our body. Those are the kinds of things. You know why I'm reading those things? First and foremost, to tell us how much, why we have such a battle in our brain. And second, just to show how amazing God is. There's no way that came out of an explosion. Can you say Amen. And we know the, the 10 to 23 watts of power can be used, which would light a bulb. A brain's made of 75% of water, and your brain has over 100 trillion synapses, which I don't know what that is. They connect neurons. And watch this. Your brain has enough space. This blew me away. It makes me feel smart. To hold the entire Encyclopedia Britannica fivefold. And they say we don't use all of our brain. There's no doubt we don't. I mean, that it says that in our, every one of us have the capacity in our brain to hold the entire Encyclopedia Britannica five times. Or, how many computer geeks do I have in here? I wouldn't understand this, but some of you will. It would hold 1,000 terabytes of information. That's a lot. Amen? All right, this is going to make some people mad. Sorry, ladies. Men's brains are 10% bigger than the ladies. What's the, I heard a cough there, amen? That's a fact, right? Right, doctors, right, people that go, 10% bigger, all right? But I won't leave it at that. Man, we got some mean people. I'm not trying to start no marital problems up in here. But, but, although women's brains are smaller, they have more nerve cells, more connectors, and they work more efficiently than men's. Got to be balanced, right? Last thing. Does anybody in here know your IQ? You don't have to say what it is, but does anybody know their IQ? I know there's some smart people in here. An average IQ, okay, is about 130, 115 to 130. Okay, I've never taken mine. I don't want to know. 
But 115 to 130 is an average. Above 130 to 144 is above average. The smartest guy in the world has a 210 IQ. That's smart. Now, let me tell you how smart he is, and I'll end with this. He's, he's from Korea, South Korea. He was born in 72, two years before me. And he, at eight months old, already understood algebra. Eight months old. I was a senior in high school and didn't understand algebra. Some say, I still don't know algebra. Eight months old. By the time he was two, this is a fact, by the time he was two, he spoke four languages fluently. Two years old. Then he began attending university at four. At four. University. Can you imagine a four-year-old walking around the university with his mom, going to classes? At 15, graduated from master's, bachelor's, all the degrees you can have at 15 years old, was out of college. Isn't that crazy? And then the last thing it said about it was he was also, besides smart, he was a painter and a poet. It says, nowadays he lives in South Korea and presumably has time to do all the things he never had a chance to do, like have a childhood. <laughs> so, interesting stuff. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 23 is the key to this message in this series. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Remember that word, completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I like to throw in 24. He says, he who calls you is faithful to do it, and he will. Amen? So how many know that God is the one that we have to look up to to help us be whole and to complete the work that he's wanting to do in our minds, the work he's wanting to do in our lives? For anybody that hasn't been here or, or has missed a service or whatever, remember that we've been since Sunday morning talking about the battlefield of the mind, okay? We've been talking about uh, taking control over our minds and winning the battle of our minds, making sure that, that we, ha we have control over our minds. And there's a picture up there. It's a good thing to look at. I've had it on Facebook. I've been putting it up every service. This would be a good visual, honestly, to have somewhere in your house, somewhere in your car, something that you would see on a daily basis if you can't think of it, that you're reminding yourself that that's going on in your head. Okay? Now, obviously, this is generic because we know that Jesus doesn't have to arm wrestle with the devil. He already beat him. But it's just a visual to understand flesh and spirit. The demons of darkness, the angels, God against the devil, and that there's a battle over our minds and that we have to be in control of it and win that battle. And so there's a question there that says, whose voice will you listen to? So every day when we wake up and we start our day, hopefully in prayer, hopefully in worship, hopefully in the word, we're trying to make sure that we channel our thought life to God. That we make sure that we're thinking good things and positive things. And I'm going to have some testimony Sunday morning. Uh, people have already shared with me. I, I didn't feel led to do it tonight. Of just some people who just since Sunday have tried this, what I'm talking about, and just re really focusing on feeding their spirit and starving their flesh. Really making sure that what we're putting into our mind is, is, is edifying, as we said on Sunday. And you'll just realize, like a fast, like a food fast or any other kind of fast, that when you do this and when you're really focusing on the, the good things of God and the right things and pureness and all these things of the Bible, you realize how much more clear your thinking is because it's what? Uncluttered. That was one of the things we talked about Sunday night was uncluttering our mind. 
And there's no doubt, church, that we live in a day-to-day of media and TV and radio and things and life and fast, fo- fast food and fast forward and go and come and go and do. And we're just so cluttered with life that we really do have a harder time today than they did 100 years ago. We have a, we have a bigger battle. Dylan and I were talking about this today where, you know, think about it. We drive down the road and we see billboards. We see flashing screens. We're always seeing stuff. We're always going somewhere. A hundred years ago, they walked and rode camels and horses and things around. They didn't have all these things just bombarding their mind. And so we have to really, really focus on the word of God and make sure that as we go through our day, we're staying focused on God. Amen. How many would admit we have it harder in those areas? And obviously we have a lot of benefits as well. So I kind of ended up on Sunday night talking about uh, every day making a choice to keep my mind clean. And making my mind clear. And so the last question leading in tonight was, to tonight was, what is controlling your mind? Okay, what is controlling your mind? And, and that could be a first generic general question of asking first and foremost, does God control my mind more or does the enemy control my mind? That, that'd be one of the first things, just a generic general question. Is my mind more dominated with things of God or is my mind more dominated with things not even always evil, but things that, like I said Sunday, don't edify I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I believe a lot of us at that place when I began to talk about that could really relate to maybe not it being something bad, but that we're occupying ourselves with things that don't edify. Amen? I said, I'm not, I'm not asking you to put yourself in the spot, but I believe all of us in, in a certain way would say, you know what, that's definitely something I battle with where I, I, I'm not sinning possibly at this time or I'm not doing something wrong But is what I'm doing really edifying God? Is it really edifying my spirit? Is it really glorifying the Lord? Is it drawing me closer to Him? Okay, because remember there's a great song, I think by either Mercy Me or Casting Crowns, that says it's a slow fade. Nothing happens overnight. Nothing happens quick. It's the little bad decision after little bad decision after little turn away from God after little don't spend time with God after a little I'm too busy to read the Bible to where your mind begins to be cluttered with so much stuff that you can't keep your mind clean. Okay? And as we go into second, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I asked you all to read that Sunday night. I don't know who did. Hopefully you looked at it, glanced at it, read over it. If you didn't, we're going to read it tonight. But I want to remind you as we go into that that one of the other stats I've been saying since Sunday morning is that we think... Anywhere from twenty to 60,000 thoughts a day. That's a lot. That's scientific. That's not just a number. That's real. That's from the low to the high. Twenty to 60,000 thoughts a day. You wonder why we're tired. You wonder why our minds are tired. Amen? We think a lot. And obviously there's greater grades there and days we think more than others. And one of the things I read the other day was that our minds are more active when we're asleep. Than when we're awake. So if you can imagine how much we think while we're asleep or awake, how much we think while we're asleep. And that's why we need to sleep. So we can rest. Amen? And so 20 to 60,000 thoughts means 20 to 50 thoughts a minute. A minute. That's a lot. So things are going through our head like crazy. And we're thinking. But look what 1 Corinthians 2 says. Verse 10. Say amen if you're there. God, but God, has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. 
For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, which exists. That's my word, not the Bible, which exists. But the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. How many want everything God has? Then he says, these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Watch this. His next couple of verses are key. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Why? For they are foolishness to him. Okay, I want to stop right there and I'll finish that in just a second. Think about that right there as we get to the end of that verse. The natural man. Okay, how many know we all have a natural man? We, we are natural. We are spirit. We are natural. We talked about that Sunday, both services. We are body, spirit, and soul. Okay, we are three in one, created in God's image, three in one. It, it proves the Trinity. It confirms the Trinity. It's how God's made up just as we are. Well, how can he be three and, and be one? And how can he be one and be three? Because we are. We are. We're body. That's easy to see. We're spirit and we're soul. Mind, body, and emotion. Or mind, will, and emotions. Things we think. Who we are. And so those three things are going on. And so every day, this body connected to this mind wants to do what this mind and this body wants to do. Flesh loves flesh. And so the spirit within us, now that has been made alive through Christ, okay, because remember that is important from Sunday, is before we got saved, think about that. Our spirits were always made to worship God. God put that in us. That's that void inside of our, inside of our body and inside of our soul that God put there that only he can fill. Amen. Only he can fill it. And you have a world full, we went back to that last, son, last Wednesday with Robin Williams as an example of the thousands and millions of people who have everything the world would say is something that would make you happy, yet they're not happy. Why? Because God is the only one who can fill that spirit void. And it's there and it's dead until they put their faith in Christ. And once they put their faith in Christ, then their spirit comes alive. And all of a sudden there, it's like the scales come off and the blindness is gone. And now I realize, man, how did I ever live without God? How did I ever make it without a God in my life, without a presence of the Lord in me? How did I ever do this? Amen. Be like walking in from the hot sun and never felt AC and you go, where have I been all my, where's the AC been my whole life? Amen. Just an example. Where's water been my whole life? Drinking water for the first time. And so the spirit is dead. And so that once we, the spirit's made alive in God and through Christ, then the battle begins every day between the spirit and the flesh, spirit and the flesh, carnal mind, spiritual mind. Things of God, things of the world. And it's an attack every day on our minds from all over the place. I said this Sunday morning and Sunday night. Remember, the devil is not omnipresent. Okay? Devil cannot be at two places at one time. Only his demons can. And so he uses demons. He uses spirits to go and to be where he cannot be and to, 
to try to oppress us. We can't be possessed as believers. We can be oppressed. We can have spirits around us that are saying, hey, do this. Hey, don't do that. Don't read the Bible. You, you know, have, how many of you have done this before? Let me ask you a question just to, just to use this as an example. And if you haven't, try it. You've been tired at night. Haven't been able to sleep. I mean, you cannot go to sleep. Grab the Bible. Start reading the Bible. And the demons will begin to rub your... I'm just, I'm just, it's the truth, church. You will fall asleep. It's a win-win situation because if you don't fall asleep and they're too busy somewhere else, you're going to get some good word in. Amen? But has anybody with their hand raised, has somebody done that? If you haven't tried it, try it. It's just an example that those demons are watching, looking, waiting, looking around in the air, spirits in the air, trying to say, no, don't, 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 don't read the Bible. You know, do, there's a good TV show on. Don't pray. Think about what you've got to do today. You're busy. You've got to get going. And so every day there's this, this, this battle going on, and I'm stopping at this because it says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. So what do we have to do? I'm holding my finger there forever. Let me make sure I just underline this real quick so I remember where I was. What do we have to do? If the natural man does not understand the things of God, I've got to be real careful that I'm not in the flesh. That I'm not walking in flesh. That I'm in the spirit. So that I can understand the things of God. It's a serious thing. Sometimes we say, man, I don't, I don't feel like God's talking to me. Be, it'd be rare and, and difficult for him not to be talking to us if we're listening and we're in his presence and we're praying and we're reading the Bible. When you're doing those things, God speaks. He speaks. He talks. He comes. He shows up. He visits. He does what God does. But a lot of times we say, and I, and I kind of ended up on this on Wednesday, we say, I don't know the will of God. Well, that goes back to the clutter. It goes back to the clutter. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to nod your head or say amen. But what do we think about all the time? Is God on our mind all the time? Or is God on our mind every once in a while? We have to ask ourselves that. Yes, we're busy. Yes, we have life. We have work. We have to do things. But man, if you love God, he's on your mind. You like to talk about him. You like to visit about him. You like to, you like to revolve everything around him. It's not the other way around. It's a spiritual mind. But if we're in the flesh and we're in, 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 in the natural man is, is governing our lives, then it says here we're not going to receive the things of the Spirit of God. It doesn't say we're not going to hear it. Did you catch that? It says receive. It means we're going to fumble. We're going to drop the ball. He's trying to hand it to us, but we're too in the flesh, too in the natural man to receive the things of God. Okay, so let's go on. For they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them. Because why? Because they're spiritually discerned. How many have been in a situation in your life recently, today, yesterday, last week, five times, 50 times, 1,000 times, you had to hear what God had to say about a situation? You needed to hear his voice. You needed to say, God, I need you to answer me. I need to know what I'm supposed to do. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're in the clutter of this world and you're busy and your mind is carnal, you are going to miss what God says. You're going to miss it. It's going to pass you right by. Or it might, you might even hear it and it's going to make no sense. Why? Because it says it's foolishness to him. It's foolishness. Why? My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are higher and above your ways. That's what God says. 
So for us to hear what he's trying to say, we got to go up to him. That vertical spirit relationship. Amen. And then it fixes all the horizontal problems. And then he says, verse 15, but he who is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. How many want to be there to be rightly judged by no one? Because God's judging you because you're in the right place. And then look at this last verse. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And watch this last question or statement. But we have the mind of Christ. And just for a couple minutes, this is what I want to talk about tonight. But we have the mind of Christ. Okay, so you might have said sometime in, in your walk with God recently, 10 years ago, five days ago, last month, what in the world does it mean to have the mind of Christ? What does that mean? What, 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 what does that entail? How does that, how does that speak to me? I'm going to give you an answer tonight if you want to write this down. What does it mean to have the mind of Christ? Because it's important to have the mind of Christ. Okay? And it, it's something that has to be revealed to us by the Spirit, by God, through His Word. And here's the answer. The mind of, having the mind of Christ means we understand God's plan. Okay? We understand God's plan. There are a lot, I'm going to tell you some more in a second, so keep your pen ready. There's a lot of people in the world, I would say, that would call themselves spiritual, call themselves Christians, call themselves believers, but don't really have the mind of Christ. Meaning they're, they're professing to be Christians. They're professing to believe in Jesus. Watch this. They're professing to say, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that He died and rose from the dead. They'll, they'll give you all the doctrinal truths, but their mind is not on the things of God. Did y'all watch? Did y'all catch that? There's a statement, I believe, but their mind is not on, it's not Christ because they're not thinking about the plan of God. What is that? Watch this. First of all, always to bring glory to Himself. Everything we do should bring glory to God. That should be our goal. Our goal in the morning should be to bring glory. Here's another one. To restore creation to its original place. That's God's plan. That's why He did the flood. That's why He's coming again. He's always in a plan of restoration. To try to get us to be where He wants us to be. Okay? This is having the mind of Christ. And provide for the salvation of sinners. You need to question your faith in God if you are not worried about sinners. If you're not worried about the restoration of souls to Jesus. That's, that's key. You don't have the mind of Christ if you're so busy. Like I'm not saying there's not days. I'm not saying there's things you don't get busy doing. But you better be thinking the majority of the time of your life about souls. Because that's what God is concerned about. That is what he's here for. That's what he came for. Why? Because it means we identify. When I have the mind of Christ, it says I identify with Christ's purpose. What's Christ's purpose? What is it? To seek and save that which is lost. Okay? That's all he's concerned with. And so as long as I'm making sure my life revolves around making sure people know about Jesus, hear about Jesus, see Jesus, that means I have the mind of Christ. Okay? It means, watch this to end up, it means we share Jesus' perspective of humility. Humility. Jesus was humble. Okay? And his what? Obedience. 
Humility and obedience. I'm going to go back over this in just a second, just in case you missed something. It's, it's a paragraph. Compassion. Lord God, help me love this world like you love this world. That's a hard prayer. It's a difficult prayer. It's a dangerous prayer. That's having the mind of Christ. Lord, help me love this world like you love this world. Help me have compassion on this world like you have. And the last one in this paragraph is a prayerful dependence on God. Okay? So I'm going to be honest with you. For a lot of years and a long time, I didn't really know what it meant. I'd say I got the mind of Christ and I believed I did, but I didn't really know what it meant. And this is what it means. It means that my mind is on God and his plan and his humility and his salvation and his obedience. It means my mind is being trained. Hey, how many know we train our minds to do a lot of things? My mind is being trained to think like God. If you didn't get any of the rest of that, get that. To think like God. So you got the statement, what would Jesus do? First, before you think of what would Jesus do, you need to think of what would Jesus think? What would he think? What would his thought be on that thing? How would he think about doing something? Why? Because before we do, we think. I I need to do something for God, but before you do it, you think it through. Sometimes we think too much. Amen? Sometimes we, we go too far. Somebody got something out of that right there. Let me go over it real again. Just read it again just to make sure. The mind of Christ means we understand God's plan. Okay, so we're thinking like God thinks. And we understand that his plan is to be glorified. That's why he made us. He made us to glorify. He made us to praise him. When we are worshiping and praising God in spirit and truth, we are doing what we were made to do. Okay? So that means that there is no bad time for a worship service. There is no bad time to lift your hands and praise God. There is no bad time. You cannot praise and worship God too much. There's no bad time for it. You can't do it too much because that's what you were created for. And actually, every time you turn the TV off, every time you turn the radio off, every time you have a praise session on your own, every time you do those things for God by yourself, you are actually pleasing God more because you're taking things away that would not please Him and you're glorifying Him. You're saying, yeah, He's saying, yes, son, yes, daughter, that's what I made you for. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's, that's pleasing to me. Man, you, you, you decided to turn that TV off. Man, you decided to do that instead of listening to even the Christian radio. Man, you're worshiping. He's making him happy because you're glorifying him. You're glorifying him, okay? And so it's his plan that you glorify him, that everything would be restored to its original splendor and creation, and it would provide for salvation for sinners. It means I identify with his purpose. People would say, well, what's the purpose? This is a funny thing to me. What's the purpose of your church? The purpose of God. What do, what, what's y'all's vision? God's. I mean, if it's not that purpose right here, the church should not exist. It says very clearly in the Bible what his plan is. His plan is to save sinners. His plan is that we would glorify him. His plan is that we would be humble and, humili- and have humility and that we would obey what he says and that we would have a prayer life. Think about those things. Those things sound so simple. How many know that the simple really is the way to go? Don't complicate things. Pray, read the Bible. You know, that sometimes that gets old. Man, they can't tell me to read the Bible. You know, people go around the wilderness 50 times in their life. 
And they come back around and they ask some Christian, what, how come you haven't gone to the wilderness as much as I have? And if you ask them or you, they looked at your life, they just see that you, well, they got a prayer life. They read the Bible. They go to church faithfully. They give of their life. They glorify God. They try to get people saved. Those are the things God's asked us to do. That's God's plan. Evangelism, discipleship, globalizing, mobilizing the world, saving the world, telling people about Jesus. The rest is extra. Okay? That's the mind of Christ. Compassion, prayerful dependence on God. So when you begin to say, am I, am I right in my mind, begin to ask yourself, am I doing what Jesus did? Okay, let me write, have you write these five things down real quick. Leading up to those verses in 2 Corinthians, sorry, 1 Corinthians 2.16 that we just read, here's some truths concerning the mind of Christ. Number one, I'm going to just go through these and just write them down. Number one, the mind of Christ, the mind of Christ is very different than the wisdom of man. Okay? The mind of Christ is very different than the, than the wisdom of man. The world, has a, the world has a system, and it's the opposite, usually, of what God's system is. Okay? And you see that. Let me go back over there real quick to the verse. You see that in verse 5 and 6, leading up, Okay? This is leading up to where we started reading. Then in number two, the mind of Christ involves wisdom from God that at one time was hidden but is now revealed. Do you realize that we're being revealed to us the things of God that, that was not revealed before? We're in a blessed time right now. There are things that were held back that are not being held back now to us. Okay, Having the mind of Christ means you can get insight to things that Man cannot get on his own. Study forever. God can drop something into your spirit and give you insight on something. You say, man, that was God. How many times has that happened to you? That was, you say, that was God. That is no way I could have thought of that. Number three, the mind of Christ is given to believers in verse 10 10 to 12 through the spirit of God. Okay? So if the spirit of God is in me, then I have the mind of Christ and he's, he's working. But it's active. I'm using it. Number four, the mind of Christ cannot be understood by those without the Spirit. So if we're walking in the flesh, we're not going to understand the things of the Spirit. Write this down if you're taking notes. Here's a statement. I said this Sunday, I want to say it again. Don't reason in your mind. Obey the Spirit. Okay, don't reason in the mind. I mean, God's telling you something. I have learned that my first instinct is usually right. In, when the Spirit speaks. The first thing He speaks to me is usually Him. Second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, eighth, and twentieth ver- voices are not Him usually. Because I begin to reason. Right? You have all been there. I begin to say, well, you know, that doesn't make sense. And, well, I wouldn't do it that way. And we begin to think. And then when you get to the third, fourth, fifth, and you get confused, usually it's the Spirit speaking. And you should obey instead of reasoning. Okay? And the last one, number five. The mind of Christ gives believers, believers discernment in spiritual matters. The mind of Christ gives believers spiritual discernment in spiritual matters. Okay, and you see that in verse 15. He who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. 
there's a statement that we talk a lot about that I've learned, I know from my pastor discipling me, that right will come out right. Always. How many believe that? Right will always come out right. Doesn't always come out right next day, next week, next month. Sometimes it seems like it's never going to come out right. But when you are doing what's right, then try to remember that. Talk about good mind thoughts and thoughts of the mind and keeping a pure mind is when a situation arises, do the right thing. Always try to do the right thing. Regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the consequences, those are good consequences to have when you do the right thing. You can say, God, I did what I was supposed to do. It's on you. You know, that, that's, that's like, here's a generic example. It's like when you tithe. When you are in covenant with God and you say, God, I really, I'm looking at the books and I, I don't have it to pay this. I can't really do this. You see, you're, you're reasoning instead of obeying. Then you decide, finally say, okay, I know I'm not supposed to be reasoning. Your word says, I give you what's, what's yours. And once you do it and you give it, then you say, hey, I gave, God. Now, you, if, if it fails, it's on you because I did my part. That's just an example. And all the things that he tells us to do, when you feel like, man, God, I don't know. If God tells you to do it, do it. Because he will come through. Can't lie, can't fail. He's going to do what he says he could do. Amen? So here's another thing to write down. I'll give you a couple more things to write down tonight. You cannot have, this is a statement, you, fact. You cannot have a positive life and a negative mind. Okay? You want great things in your life. You want things to work out awesome all the time. But it's not going to happen if your negative mind is negative. That's just, it's the stinking thinking. Right? Stinking thinking. I joked Sunday about the trash. Take the trash out. How many know trash stinks? You're going to take out the trash and you're like, goodness grief. What is this doing in here? And you wish you'd have taken it out earlier in the week? Try to take the trash out. As, you know, like when you realize you put some, a carton of eggs in the trash, make sure you take it outside. Don't leave it in the inside trash, right? So just keep trying to get the trash out your head that the devil's trying to put in there, and your mind won't stink. It'll smell good. Amen? Amen? How many want to have a mind that smells good? Amen. Not stinking thinking. So some people just got to stop being negative. If I'm positive then I'm going to have a positive life. But I can't have the life I want with a negative mind. Okay? How can I have the mind of Christ? Here's one more thing for tonight. This is for somebody. And I'll close with this. Patience is not the ability to wait. Watch this. Patience is not, patience is not the ability to wait. How many, how many connect patience with waiting? Wait, 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 look at the clock. Okay, that's what we do. See, I'm not, I'm not a very patient person, so I don't like, I don't like to wait. And we, we connect clock with patience. Patience is not the ability to wait, watch, but the ability to keep a good attitude while you're waiting. Okay, that's good. I don't like waiting. No one does. No one likes waiting. You're not going to find someone who goes, I just love waiting. You know, I, I wish God would be slower. I wish God would take his time more. I wish, he wouldn't just, I wish he wouldn't bless me so fast. No one does that. So everybody does not like waiting. We don't like to wait. <clears throat> and especially in 2014, we live in a generation where we don't wait for anything. 
We put popcorn in the microwave and we're looking at the microwave going, why is this taking so long? Two minutes, right? That's who we are and what we are. But if I say, okay, God is, if I could just get in my stinking thinking that God doesn't move fast, he's going to move slow, that he is a pressure cooker, that he is a crock pot, that he doesn't have a watch. Somebody needs this. I don't know who, maybe it's me. He's not fast. He doesn't do it like we want. Then I say, okay, okay, God, I, I'm, I'm understanding through experience you're not going to move fast. You're not going to move how I want you to move. You're not going to move when I want you to move. Probably not going to do it where I would want you to do it. You're probably not going to do it with who I'd want you to do it. You're not going to do anything like I would do it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to learn to wait patiently and have a good attitude while I wait. Right? So it's a choice because you can have a bad attitude if you want, but it's not going to speed things up. God's not going to be like, oh, he's mad or she's mad or they're upset. So let me speed this up. Nope. God's like, that's when I'm going to do that. And that's when I'm going to do that. And so if he's going to do it over there and you don't know when over there is, it's better just to say, Lord, as I get to, until I get there, help me have a good attitude. Is that true or not? I'm just trying to help us. Help myself. So listen to that again. Patience is not the ability to wait, but the ability to keep a good attitude while waiting. When a person is going through a hard time, their mind wants to give up. Okay? We talked about suicide last Wednesday. That's what someone does when they take their life. Their mind gives up. Okay? When a person is going through a hard time, the first thing, think about that, the first thing that goes is the thinking. I can't do this. There's no hope. I can't finish this. I'm not strong enough. I don't have enough talent. I don't have enough ability. Da, da, da. And listen, Satan knows if he can defeat your mind, he has everything. Because he understands the power of the mind. He understands it. Amen? So as the musicians are coming tonight, I want you to fit, I want to finish with this thought of, of Satan trying to control your mind. Obviously, through his demonic powers and the things he uses. It, it started in the garden. It started in the garden, remember? All the way back to Adam and Eve. The serpent came into that garden. It wasn't about the tree. It wasn't about the fruit. Watch this. It wasn't about the fruit that the apple looked so good. And I think it was a mango anyways. Mango is probably what they fell with. Costa Rican mango. Whatever it was, it wasn't about the fruit. It, we know it was the tree, but it was the devil speaking to the mind. Saying, if you eat of that, you will be like God. And you will know the things God knows. And so it's been a mind thing since Adam and Eve. When Cain killed Abel, we've gone through a lot of this stuff recently, all these stories. When Cain killed Abel, he thought it before he did it. Okay? Think about the premeditated murder, you know, the cases, the sentences, the, all these things, premeditated murder. Really, every murder is premeditated. just might be thought on less or more time. You might have someone who thinks about it for weeks, or you have someone who thinks about it for seconds, but no one kills somebody without thinking about it. No one takes their life without thinking about it. Everything we do, we think first. And so if I want to have a life that's blessed, and I want to have a, the mind of Christ 
then I have to have the patience to say, God, I'm going to think before I act. I'm going to think before I speak. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to try to find the, 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 the smart things. And I'm going to understand that the devil is after my mind. Because if he can get my mind, he can get my actions. Okay? He can defeat us in our experience. How many understand that the devil has been around longer than we have? It's not to glorify him. It's to say he is a true foe who has a lot of experience. So why? that's why God said in his word, these words that somebody needs tonight, do not grow weary in well-doing. Man, God, I've kept my mind clean most of the time, but then when I, when I you know, because some people, well, a lot of people like this, they do real good until they fall, and they, when they fall, they fall hard. And the, the thing the devil will tell you is, man, you already messed up. Go all the way. And that's a lie from the devil. So this whole thing, this series is about us understanding that I've got to keep my mind clear and pure. And, and, and I've told you before, Philippians 4, 7, and 8. Keep, keep reading those. Keep thinking about those things. Go ahead and go there real quick just to read it one more time in case you weren't here Sunday. This is a really, how many, have got, how many have got key verses that have helped you through your walk? I mean, everybody's got different ones, but some are just, and not that every word's not important, but some of these things just, man, they make a huge difference. He says in Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which everybody in here wants. There's nobody, but hey, you want the peace of God? Nah, I'm good. Of course we want the peace of God. Everybody wants the peace of God. Okay, and so does God want us to have it. So he says, the peace of God which surpasses, we've all quoted this when somebody loses a loved one or goes through a struggle, that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and what? And your minds through Jesus Christ. Remember Sunday we said the mind and the heart are connected. They're connected. How do I keep my heart pure? Keeping my mind pure. How do I keep my mind pure? Keeping my heart pure. Okay, so he's saying there in the word, I want to give you peace that passes all understanding, but you've got to guard your mind. He says, he's, so that means that's on us. That means I have to make the choice to guard my heart. That's what Pastor Jones means when he tells me, hey, keep your mind, or sorry, your heart pure. He's saying guard your heart. Some of us haven't done a good job of guarding our hearts. Not, not, not the chest cavity heart, the spiritual heart. Guard it so that that peace will come that passes all understanding. Then he says, finally, brethren, whatever things, and there's some things you need to think of. You're, if you're a negative person, start reading this verse every day. And if you don't realize you're negative, ask someone to tell you. Ask God to tell you. Because all of us have some negativity, but whatever it is, it can be eliminated by God's word. I believe that. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. In my Bible, good report is bigger with black letters. You know what that means to me? That means I look at the good things in people's lives, not the bad. I try my best and we should try our best to look at the good things. Whatever's of good report. We can always find something wrong. We can always think of something negative to say, 
But he says, no, look at, think of the, of the good things. And he says, if there's any virtue in that, if there's anything praiseworthy, then he says, meditate on these things. Okay, so that's a job. That's work. That's, that's something we have to do ourselves. And we have to purposely, you might be in a job, in a place of work where you have to purposely shut off this world. You have to say, God, I'm, I'm here and I know you're going to help me defeat this thing around me, my coworker, the situation, the supervisor, someone around me. You're going to help me and you can think of those good things and God can bring you a peace at work and you can have a good old time and people around you can say, why in the world are you so happy? Why are you so peaceful? And you say, trust me, it ain't because of anybody around here. It's because of Jesus. It's because of God. Amen. You can have a party a Holy Ghost party in the midst of turmoil.